Well, it's a blessing for me to be with you once again, and I'm looking forward to looking at God's Word. The scripture reading this evening is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just verses 6 through 10. I've appreciated the the songs uh, we've been singing, the, um, the, the joyful and jubilant nature uh, of those songs. It's very, very fitting and appropriate. The, uh, the prospect for believers of spending eternity with the Lord ought to just excite us, make us joyful, make us eager. And we're going to look a little bit at that tonight. First Corinthians Chapter 2 at verse 6, Paul writes, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Just those words of verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. There, there could be a number of passages that, that I could have read from when we, in introduction to think about, uh, about heaven, and there are going to be several other biblical passages as well. I picked this one because when the Heidelberg Catechism reflects on the Apostles' Creed's confession, I believe in life everlasting, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. The Catechism uses this passage to confess, declare, proclaim something of uh, the joy that we are going to experience when we spend eternity with the Lord. Now, what we're going to think about tonight, I want to just sort of delineate it a little bit. This is a message about our spending eternity with the Lord and what that's going to be like, a little bit that we can understand about it. It's not about the second coming. Second coming is a wonderful Advent uh, uh, theme. Not, a, not about any of the, the signs of the times or what's going to happen before Jesus uh, comes back. It, it's not going to be about uh, the judgment when he comes back. It's not going to be about where we spend this a sort of uh, interlude after we die and before he returns. But to be clear about that, um, we, we, some, we, we talk about that as going to heaven because we're, we're with the Lord. But when, when we die, 
most Christians believe, we immediately go to be with Jesus. Jesus said to the, the thief on the cross, today, today you will be with me in paradise. So we'll, we'll immediately go to be with the Lord after we die, but then, then, we, well, we go, when we go to be with the Lord when we die, we go there just with our spiritual selves, our souls. Our bodies go to the grave. But when Jesus comes back, when he returns on the clouds of glory, our bodies will be raised, reunited with our souls, and that being, you and me, will spend eternity with the Lord. And that's what we want to talk about. And it's a huge topic. This is just going to be a little summary. I'm going to, going to mention to you six things, I believe that spring from Scripture, six things about what that experience is going to be like. I want to, I want to just say these are not equal or parallel, one, two, three, four, five, six. They're going to sort of blend together. And there, there could be more than six or fewer than, than six. But I invite you to think about it, to ponder it. Now, let me just say in beginning that you may, have, you may have heard that it really isn't terribly productive or good for Christians to spend too much time uh, thinking about being in heaven uh, with, with Jesus. Um, you may have heard that said. Somebody about an individual. He, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Uh, I'm struck with what, what uh, Francis Chan says in his book, Crazy Love. He says, I find just the opposite is true. People who have a, a, of a, an eager and healthy understanding and anticipation of heaven are, are all the more eager to work and serve and minister for the Lord to do his work. And, and he suggested at least that it's, it's because they just aren't too tied to this world. Of course, here's the world in which we have to serve the Lord. We have responsibilities. We have tasks to do. We're called to be his disciples. We're called to work for him. We're called to live the Christian life. But, as the old song goes, this, this world is not my own, my home. Not, not my complete home. I'm passing through. We have responsibilities here. But our real home is going to be with Jesus. One more thing. I entitled this heaven. We talk about going to heaven. Let me just say this is really a small point, but I don't believe we're going to spend eternity in heaven. In Revelation and in Isaiah, the Lord tells us about that he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. No, it's my hunch. Lots of other people's hunches too that we're going to be spending eternity on this wonderfully, incredibly recreated new earth. But we call it heaven for want of, uh, at least not to confuse things. So, six things I invite you to think about, about what it's going to be like. And once again, there could be a lot more than this. First of all, When Jesus comes back and comes to get us, we are going to have what the scriptures call glorified bodies. It says in Philippians 3 that Jesus will transform our bodies to be like his glorified 
or glorious body. You know that we're all wearing out. On Thanksgiving Day, uh, in the evening, we, we get together with my wife's extended family, and I was watching a couple little kids. I was watching um, one brother and sister-in-law's grandchildren, and they're two, two and a half, and four. I've watched little children before, but I was struck. What an incredible amount of energy. They just run back and forth, and they never get tired. Remember, Adam and Eve lived to be 900 years old. We've been wearing out ever since. It wasn't that long ago I was watching some, some young fellows, not little kids, only maybe 18, 20. They were kind of horsing around. And all at once somebody said something and they, they, they jumped off a porch and ran out into the lawn. And I thought... You know, I guess there would have been a time I might like to have done that too. I have no desire at all now to jump off a porch and run anywhere. And a lot of you are smiling. You know exactly what I mean. We're wearing out. We're getting tired. Think about, think about what it means that we're going to have glorified bodies. Those of you who are young, you... you I bet, I bet you have experiences if you go to sleep at night and you don't wake up till the next morning. Well, just, just wait 60 or 70 years and see what happens to you. But not when we spend eternity with Jesus. Now, these bodies are going to be, well, I, I don't know, but, but they tell us birds of prey can can see from, from just hundreds of yards up there, tiny little animals, and come down and get it, get them. They tell us that we only use a tiny portion of our brains right now. Well, it's my hunch that, that, that we're going to be, our senses are going to be incredibly enhanced. It's going to be, we're going to feel great. And I'd suggest nobody in this life really knows what it means to feel really good. We think we do. Oh, I feel great. No, you don't. Just wait and see. Now, I've just scratched the surface that we're going to be like his glorious or glorified body. Jesus' body after he rose was, was different. He could walk through walls, through closed doors. He could appear and disappear. What was that body like? Somehow, our bodies are going to be that way. Quickly, glorified bodies and moving away from the physical. Sorrow, sorrow and sadness is going to be eliminated. It says in Revelation 21, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. There will be no more death. I'm reading another translation. Uh, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Sadness is going to be gone. 
Now, part of that's going to come from being our, our, our bodies are going to be uh, glorified. But think, think of all the things that happen in this life that cause sadness. Think of the things that we have to worry about. You're worried right now? Worried about your finances? Worried about your job? Worried about a family member? Worried about how things are gonna, what things are going to happen in the future? Worried about your health? Have regrets? Think about the things that will be gone in heaven. It was, it was many years ago, I was uh, doing a, a nursing home service, and at um, nursing home services, I, I like to preach about heaven. I like to preach about uh, what wouldn't be in heaven. And I listed for folks a number of things that wouldn't be there. Something somewhat like this, but, but different. Much, much, much shorter. And in the, the, the middle of, the middle of my, my 10-minute message, an elderly lady who was in her wheelchair right in front, and I had gotten to meet her because I'd been there before, and her body was, she had, was all crumpled up with arthritis, but her mind was perfect. I'm talking about what won't be in heaven, and she said, interrupted me, said, there won't be any nursing homes in heaven either. And I said, you're right. Now, nursing homes are, are, are good places to be when you need them. But they're, they're just an indication of the age and the culture and the society and the sorrow which we live with. Third thing. Sin and all of its results will be gone. Perhaps should have started with this. I said before, these aren't parallel, they aren't equal. This is, this is really monumental. This encompasses all the others. We've been, uh, ISIS has been in the news. You know, the, those awful attacks in, in Paris. And uh, there's the fear of what kind of attacks may come here. We have the whole controversy about Syrian immigrants coming into this country and the danger that that entails. It's all because of sin in Colorado Springs, Colorado, three people killed. It's all because of sin, and we could go on and on and on. When you think about the effects and results and sorrow and pain caused by sin, when we sin against other people, when we get sinned against, when we experienced our own guilt and regret, and it's all, it is all, it is all going to be gone. Another thing. There will be incredible, incredible beauty. Somehow, this seems a little trite to mention right after talking about sin. But this is how John describes that new Jerusalem in Revelation 21. 
And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with glory, with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. It had a great high wall and 12 gates with 12 angels at the gates. And it, and it goes on about that city. It's like a very precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. I believe it's John's way of saying, God's way of saying in that vision, it's going to be, it's going to be incredibly, incredibly beautiful. You can read a little further in in verses, it's, it's written, if you write it down, you can read that from above, verses 18 through through uh, 20, 12 gorgeous, gorgeous jewels. Now, maybe, maybe mentioning beauty is, seems a little trite and insignificant, and yet we, we are created and made to appreciate, appreciate the beauty of God's creation. People talk about it. Have you ever had an experience of seeing a wonderful, wonderful setting and you, and you take a picture of it, take photos and you don't even want to share it with other people because the photo just doesn't do justice to it. You think, <gasps> I say that because I, I had that experience 40 years ago in the Mexican Rockies. People think the Colorado Rockies are beautiful. They didn't see nothing yet. At least that was my reaction. I didn't want to show, any, show anybody the, the pictures, neither did my wife. Because it was so incredibly beautiful, the pictures didn't do justice. Well, it is my hunch that when we spend eternity with the Lord, we are going to be overwhelmed over and over and over again by incredible, incredible beauty. In other words, God is going to be interested in the huge things of our life and what we'd say today are the little small details. Because we're going to be, well basking in his presence and that's that's the fifth thing we will experience the presence of the lord first thessalonians chapter 4 there is that uh, a beautiful passage maybe the best one about what it's going to be like uh, when jesus comes back the trumpet sound of uh, the trumpet of god will, will sound the dead in christ will be raised first we will be caught up uh, with them to meet the Lord in the air. A lot of us know that. But then it says, and we will be with the Lord forever. We will be with the Lord I've heard people talk about it. Boy, it sure would have been nice to be one of Jesus' disciples, to have him right there. And and you could ask him. I mean, think what they, they could have asked him. If we were there, we could have, we could have talked to Jesus and experienced that. And... But that would have been on this sinful earth. It would have been certainly with Jesus, but it would have been Jesus before his glorification. We going to spend eternity in the presence of God. We will be, in that passage in Thessalonians, 
you get this fairly detailed description of what happens when Christ comes back. But then all it says about what follows is, we'll be with the Lord forever, therefore comfort one another. Comfort or encourage one another with these words. Think about it. You're going to spend eternity in the presence of God. People, people speculate, what are we going to do in heaven? And think about that. What is it going to be like? What are we going to do? Some people think it will be boring. You know, it's going to be one continual church service. Hey, even preachers wouldn't like that. One continual church service. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it absolutely will not be boring. It's not. It's going to be incredibly exciting. I'll give you my hunch. I think we're going to be doing a great deal of learning. You know, I mentioned that we only use a very small portion of our brains. Well, those glorified bodies with the glorified brains are going to have a tremendous adventure. That's my hunch. This incredible, marvelous universe created by God without any of the effects of sins. And we're going to have the perfect teacher, instructor there to tell us all about it, to show us all about it. And we're going to be able to see and hear and understand and comprehend the whole thing and we'll never get bored. But what do I know? I'm just just trying to explain that with this little human mind. What I'm saying may be totally inadequate. But it will be great. So, the presence of God. And now, one more. Same verse. We will be with the Lord forever. It's going to last forever and ever and ever. It will never end. Think about how much anxiety is caused in this life by our anticipation of what's going to come next or down the road. You can have an absolutely great time. You know, a wonderful vacation. Ever have that? A wonderful, sometimes vacations don't go so well. But if you've had a vacation that's gone just perfectly, you had two weeks of, of the, the kind of bliss you didn't think was possible in, in this life on this earth. Just a great time. Or you're with family or friends and it's just going wonderful. And I could just go on and on. Things that are great. But something's going to happen next week. Or next month. Next year. Maybe it's planned. You know that root canal? Or the doctor you have to see? Or the problem at work? Or the financial issues? Or conflict with somebody. You know what I'm talking about. There are all those things that 
rob us, rob us, of the joy and delight that we experience right now. None of that's going to be true when we're with the Lord because the joy, the wonder of it all, the experience of His presence is going to never, never, ever end. And oh yes, in this life, I didn't mention the greatest thing that we face. I've heard this from more than one person, firsthand and secondhand. Someone told, experiencing the, the, the words that they have a terminal disease, that they're going to die. Christian person going to die. Who says something like this? Again, I've heard it secondhand and firsthand more than once. Well, I don't, I don't mind being dead. I'll be with Jesus. I know that. It's getting there that scares me. Me too. Because unless Jesus comes back first, I'm going to die. And I don't know what it will be like. You're going to die. You don't know what it will be like. It may go wonderfully peacefully. It may not. Because through the history of the world, godly people have experienced lots of suffering. I worry about that. Somewhat. When we're with the Lord forever and ever and ever, we're going to have none of that and none, none of those worries. Now, this is, this is a little sketch. And it's incomplete. And I really haven't told you anything new. I've told you, I suspect, things that you could say, yeah, I knew that. We're going to have glorified bodies. Sorrow and sadness is going to be gone. Sin and all of his results are gone. There's going to be incredible beauty and we're going to be in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. And it ought to give us a certain eagerness for this to happen. Now, I don't, I don't, mean, I don't mean an eagerness to die. God put us in this world. He gave us, he gave us life. And I've really only ex- seen in people a real eagerness to die from people who are physically very ill or they've, all their loved ones are gone, they're aged, they're wondering, they think they're a burden. There's some pretty, you know, pretty good reasons for people to want to die. But most of us want to keep on living. But aside from that, and in addition to that, even though it makes perfectly good sense as Christians to have an eagerness and a joy and an anticipation and an excitement about what the future holds, there are some Christians, and there may be some of those kind of folks here, who have a certain uncertainty, hesitation, reservation about it, because if pushed, and if they're honest, uh, 
will say, yeah, I believe this is all true, but I have this bit of gnawing concern that I'm not going there. Because I've been a great sinner. Or maybe, maybe my faith just is, I know we're saved by faith, but maybe my faith just isn't strong enough. Or, or maybe, maybe I'll be one of those people to whom Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. Well, if, if there's anybody like that here, or if you know somebody like that, then, then let me simply point you to Scripture. Because the Bible says, well, the angel, the messenger to the church at Laodicea said, speaking for the Lord, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone open the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That really means have fellowship. Open the door. That is an appropriate kind of verse for church people for Christian people, because it's a letter addressed to a church, but a church that it seems to have wandered away, that's lukewarm. And Jesus warns, because you're lukewarm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spit you out of, out of my mouth. Maybe, maybe you know someone, or maybe there's somebody here who's heard those words and think, I think he's talking to me. He's going to spit me out of his mouth. But the message, clear and simple, is you open the door. You invite me in, and I will come in. I will. Jesus said, he who comes to me, I will in no wise, in no way, cast out. You come, and he will welcome you. It's a promise of God. Paul wrote to those who received him who believed in his name, who believed in his name, who received him. He gave the power, really the right. He gave the right to be, to become the children of God. It is a promise of God. And the people who know it best need to hear that as well. If you have any doubts that this is your destiny, any doubts at all, then I encourage you simply to do this. Assume the worst. You can do that. You can assume. I, I don't believe it's true. I, it's probably not true. But you can still assume that you've been fooling yourself or you fit into that category. And right now, today, tonight, you can ask the Lord Jesus to take up residence in your life, to say, I believe in you, I trust in you, I have faith in you, I believe you lived and died and rose for me. I want you to come into my life, and he promises that he'll do it. It was the Apostle Paul who said, O wretched man without it, that I am, who will deliver me from this death? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory. It's a promise. I invite you to grab onto that with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to share it, that truth, with anybody who may need it. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you 
for the eternity that we face with Jesus. Help us to understand it. May we understand it just a little bit better. And may it give us joy and energy and excitement and peace. May we believe your truth, dear Lord, from the depths, in the depths of our hearts. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing together, What a Day That Will Be.